Welcome to Stepping Through the Old Testament. My name is Nigel Carson and today is episode 17, Stepping Through Psalms. Before we consider the book of Psalms, I'd like to take a brief look at one form of literature found in the Old Testament, namely poetry. The Old Testament is full of poetry and it can be found in the prophets, the wisdom literature, but especially in the book of Psalms. Poetry is easy to spot in our Bibles. Prose has long sentences and columns, but poetry has short sentences with larger spaces between the phrases. So why is poetry an important type of literature? And why is so much of it used in the Old Testament? Well, poetry is known to have a deep and moving effect on people, and it can penetrate parts of our emotions that plain speech and language cannot touch. Poetry moves the intuitive or emotional part of the brain. It's more easily remembered, especially when it's set to music. And many of us are able to remember poems from our school days, while recent lectures or talks are forgotten within days. Poetry also touches the heart by making the words deeply meaningful. And we're often drawn to poems because they appeal to our sense of beauty. Poetry is about communicating pleasant sounds, and the effect of poetry is often lost if it's only read silently. Poems are meant to be read aloud, and where the sound of the words stir our hearts, stimulate our imagination, and provoke our emotions. Poetry brings a sense of wonder, so it's no surprise that poems were often used to worship God. But just as poetry touches the heart of man, it also touches the heart of God. The Holy Spirit has chosen poetry as a way of communicating God's heart to us, and in return, it allows us to respond to him with love and passion. Let's take a brief overview of the book of Psalms. There are several authors within the book of Psalms, and they are a collection of the writings of Moses, David, Solomon, the sons of Korah, the sons of Asaph, and a man named Ethan, with various other unknown authors. All the Psalms were written between 1440 BC and 400 BC. The title of the book of Psalms is taken from the early Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Hebrew term for Psalms has its root meaning in to sing or to pluck an instrument. So the book of Psalms is essentially a collection of worship songs which were meant to be sung to music. The book of Psalms was the hymn book of Israel. It was a collection of songs which were meant to be either read aloud as poetry or sung with music as an act of worship. It's the longest book in the Bible and took almost 1,000 years to write. The Psalms are a book full of emotions. Some Psalms express deep grief. For example, Psalm 56 says that God puts our tears into a bottle. Other Psalms include the human emotions of anger, frustration, jealousy, despair, fear and envy. The Psalmists often express exactly how they felt, including times of complaining against God. 
But many psalms also reflect the more positive emotions of joy, excitement, hope and peace. So we see that the psalms cover the whole range of human emotions. The book of Psalms is divided into five individual books or sections. Psalms 1 to 41 form book 1. Psalms 42 to 72 are book 2. Psalms 73 to 89 form book 3. Psalms 90 to 106 are book 4. And finally Psalms 107 to 150 form book 5. Each of the five books end with a doxology, which is a short hymn of praise to God. The last book, which ends with Psalm 150, is a doxology that rounds off all the five books. The size of the books varies because of the different size of psalms within them, but the first book and the last book are the longest. So, who wrote the psalms? We know that David wrote over half the Psalms. 73 of them have his name attached to them. And the New Testament also attributes Psalms 2 and 95 to him. David wrote his Psalms out of his experiences of being a shepherd, a warrior, a king and a musician. Solomon also wrote some Psalms, including Psalms 72 and 127. Psalm 127 was composed when the temple was being built and in this psalm he recognises that unless the Lord builds the house, the labourers labour in vain. The sons of Korah wrote 10 psalms and the sons of Asaph wrote 12 psalms which are found in book 3. Both they and the sons of Korah were part of the choir that served in the temple. Quite a lot of the psalms are simply anonymous. Many of the Psalms were inspired by a personal experience. In fact, the main parts of David's life are depicted in the book of Psalms. For example, Psalm 3 was written after his flight from his son Absalom, who had just seized the throne of Israel and forced David to flee. Psalm 18 was written when David was delivered from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Psalm 51 was written as a psalm of repentance after he had seduced Bathsheba, who was another man's wife. Other psalms were sung by the whole nation. For example, Psalms 120 to 134, which are known as the Songs of Ascents, were sang as people went on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. These Songs of Ascent, or Songs of Going Up, were sung as worshippers travelled up the hill towards Jerusalem for their religious festivals. Other psalms were meant to help people in their personal walk with God. For example, Psalm 119 is written to encourage us to read the Bible. It speaks of the law of the Lord, or the commands of the Lord, or the precepts of the Lord, or the decrees of the Lord, or the statutes of the Lord. Psalms 113 to 118 are known as the Hallel Psalms and were sung together at the Passover. Let's take a closer look at the different types of Psalms. First, there are the Lament Psalms. 
Lament is a major theme in the Bible and particularly in the book of Psalms. To lament is to express deep sorrow, grief or regret. These psalms are poems or hymns expressing human struggles and there are so many that they make up about one third of the entire book of Psalms. They are prayers that lay out a troubling situation to the Lord and then make a deep request for his help. There are two types of lament psalms, community ones and individual ones. Community psalms of lament deal with situations of national crisis. They describe problems faced by all the people of God. For example, Psalm 12 is a community lament expressing sadness over widespread sin. It includes phrases like, Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbour. They flatter with their lips, but harbour deception in their hearts. Individual laments address isolated struggles or problems faced by individuals. An example of an individual psalm of lament is Psalm 86, as David lays out his need before God, where he says, Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. Lament songs were written out of personal unhappiness of the psalmist. They include a lot of self-pity, but their feelings were presented to God from the depths of the heart. Lament psalms have five parts, which include a cry to God, a complaint about what is wrong, a confession of trust that God will deliver, a petition calling God to intervene, and finally, a promise to praise God when deliverance comes. All the lament psalms follow this five-fold pattern, so that's why it's important to read the whole psalm in order to see the full picture or message that it paints. Then there are the psalms of gratitude. These are thank you psalms and are the largest group after the lament psalms, and almost all of them are anonymous. They usually follow a pattern which includes these four segments. Firstly, there's a proclamation which says, I'm going to praise. Secondly, there's a statement about what he's going to praise God for. Thirdly, there's a testimony of deliverance. And finally, there's always a vow of praise where the psalmist continues to praise God for what has just happened. There are also psalms of penitence. The psalms of penitence could also be called sorry psalms or psalms of repentance. And there are seven of them. These are psalms 6, 32, 38, 51, 102, 130 and 143. In each one the author confesses his sin before the Lord and recognises his need for God's favour and forgiveness. They reflect the deep contrition felt when the psalmist is made aware of his sin. The best known penitent psalm is Psalm 51, where David poured out his heart in repentance to the Lord after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and planned the death of her husband Uriah. Then there are the Messianic Psalms. 
Some of the royal psalms are also messianic or prophetic. The word Messiah means anointed. Every king of Israel was anointed with oil at his coronation as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The word Messiah, which means anointed one, only occurs once in the Old Testament, in Psalm 2. Three of the best known messianic psalms are Psalm 2, Psalm 22 and Psalm 110. These psalms point towards Jesus and their prophetic phrases and statements were fulfilled in the life of Christ. For example, they foretold the following about Jesus, that God will not let him see corruption in the grave, that he will be forsaken by God and scorned and mocked by men, that his hands and feet would be pierced, that his clothes would be gambled for, that none of his bones would be broken, and that false witnesses would accuse him, that he would be hated without a cause, and that a friend would betray him, that he would be given vinegar and gall to drink, and that his betrayer's office would be given to another. Then we have the imprecatory psalms. An imprecation is a curse that invokes or calls down misfortune upon someone. Imprecatory psalms are those in which the author calls down calamity, destruction and God's anger and judgment on his enemies. This type of psalm is found throughout the book. Some examples of imprecatory psalms are Psalms 10, 17, 35, 58, 83 and 109. In these psalms, the psalmists ask God to visit their enemies with judgment. For example, Psalm 140 verses 9 and 10 says, Let the heads of those who surround me be covered with the trouble their lips have caused. Let burning coals fall upon them, and may they be thrown into the fire, into miry pits, never to rise. These psalms may not be pleasant, and they certainly don't show any forgiveness for the enemy. However, they are models of honesty. And if we feel a certain way, then it's appropriate to tell God how we do feel. Ultimately, we must walk in forgiveness and never hold bitterness in our hearts, as Jesus set us an example to forgive our enemies. In every case, the psalmist refuses to take revenge themselves, but instead leaves it to God. This is a principle that Paul teaches in Romans 12, where he says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, and he will take vengeance on the wicked. Some people ask the question, how do I apply the Psalms to my life? The Psalms can be used to help you express your deepest emotions to God. If you're hurting, then you can use Psalm 13 as a prayer or a lament to God. If you are thankful for God's blessing or deliverance, then Psalm 30 is a wonderful way to express your heart. If you are full of praise, then Psalm 150 is a powerful psalm to read out loud or even sing. No matter what your circumstances are, the psalms will provide you with a platform to share your heart and your emotions with God. The reason the book of Psalms was written 
was to help us worship God in every season of our life. It helps teach us to meditate on God's word and is full of heartwarming material for use in private worship and reflection. Because it's poetry, the Book of Psalms has an exceptional ability to meet the deepest need or emotion of every human heart. Even Jesus, in his final moments on the cross, used the Psalms to express his deepest anguish and pain to God. He quoted Psalm 22 verse 1, where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his final words were taken from Psalm 31 verse 5, where he said, Into your hands I commit my spirit. May God bless you as you read the book of Psalms and find those God-inspired words to help you express your heart, whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Thank you for listening, and in our next episode, we will be stepping through the book of Proverbs.